welcome to True Crime Storytime. I'm your host, Ivana Estelle, and I have to admit something to you. I love Desperate Housewives. I love the show. And, and, and nope, listen, listen, listen. Hear me out. Before you change the episode, this is not one of those chatty rants. I usually wait until I'm at like minute 25 to start those anyway. But growing up, my mom watched Desperate Housewives and usually it was her me time. So I would catch a glimpse of Eva Longoria or Felicity Huffman before walking back to my room. It was in college that I finally decided to binge the series and I fell in love. I was fascinated with the characters, the storylines, and the reality that what people show you isn't always what it seems. The case today does seem like an episode out of The Desperate Housewives, a storyline about a wife and mother who on the outside appeared to have it all, but her fate was something more horrific than you could imagine. But this is very real and very unexpected, and that maybe the scariest part of it all. This is the murder of Orsolia Gall. Orsolia loved to take photos. Whether it was pictures by the lake in Croatia, selfies with her family's new pup, Halloween costumes that had to be documented, or weekends with her two kids and husband, Orsolia was always flashing her camera. And who could blame her? She had large greenish brown eyes that seemed to pop even brighter with her blonde hair. Her smile blended in with her face perfectly and it seemed like the word perfect kind of fit Orsolia's life. She and her husband Howard Klein met in 1994 in Budapest at a Christmas party. The couple hit it off quickly and traveled throughout Thailand together, ultimately moving to Manhattan, New York, where Orsoya scored a job. Originally, she was from Hungary and planned to stay with Howard only a few months while she adjusted to life in the city. Her traveling was exciting. I mean, she went everywhere. When I say she traveled the world, Orsoya was brave. And the couple eventually went from living together internationally to falling in love in the city, more so than when they lived in Thailand. And the couple decided to continue living together and eventually moved to Forest Hills, New York. The residential area is a central portion of Queens. It's like a smaller, lesser known area in New York that gives you that homey feeling. Known for hosting the U.S. Open and having brick architecture, it is the perfect place to raise a family, which is exactly what Howard and Orsolia did. They have two sons, Jamie and Leo. Orsolia loved being a mom. Every photo with her sons, she looks happy, and honestly, so do they. Her traveling went from lover's trips with Howard to family adventures. Her family, back in Hungary, kept in touch through messages and phone calls and, of course, on Facebook, where she shared photos of her life, and they would comment frequently. For Orsolia, things, life, it just seemed complete. Tragedy struck in April of 2021 when her father passed away. It seemed like during that time, Orsolia focused on visiting family a bit more often. 
Her son has described her as a doting mother, regardless of the circumstance, finding happiness in their happiness. For Asoya, family meant everything. She would stay up all night prepping for birthdays. She always hosted her kids' hangouts with snacks ready before the kids could walk in the door. Orsoya was entering her 50s as a happy mother and wife, or so it seemed. On April 15th, 2022, Orsoya was in the backyard of the large cottage-style home. She was with her dog, Teddy, playing and soaking up the sun and a hint of spring. That evening, she had gone to the Lincoln Center with a couple girlfriends to watch a show. Her younger son, Leo, had spent the evening at home. The two had the house to themselves, with Howard and 17-year-old Jamie off touring colleges in preparation for his high school graduation in the next couple months. Orsoya took advantage of the time alone, hitting the Forest Hills Station House bar, ordering a Moscow mule and a bite to eat. Bar manager Gabe Veras noticed her, probably because she only stayed about 45 minutes before leaving the bar and returning home, alone, around 12.30 a.m., at the bar, Orsoya naturally had a light to her. She seemed excited about seeing her favorite composers perform that evening. The night seemed to just be a good one. It was Good Friday, and the weekend was going to be a long one with Easter Sunday coming up. The family was Jewish, but most people observed Easter Monday, which meant a weekend of relaxation. Saturday, April 16th, was a sunny day in Forest Hills. It was 66 degrees and sunny with clear skies. The perfect day to take Teddy for a walk. But in the large brown and white house, there was no sign of Orsoya. With Leo sleeping in, the calm quiet of the house didn't seem out of the ordinary. It was just after 8 a.m. when Glenn Can Nostranda was walking his two Rhodesian Ridgebacks. The two began to pull on their leash as they sniffed curiously at a dark blue duffel bag in the grass. At first, Glenn didn't think much of it. He was focused on enjoying his walk. He had coffee and Saturday plans with the family to get back to. But his dogs continued to pull towards the strange bag. Glenn, curious now, unzipped slowly, deciding to humor the dogs, and cocked his head to the side. A mannequin, maybe? But what was it doing in the bag? There weren't any shopping stores that close to the neighborhood. That's when he noticed the texture. It wasn't a mannequin at all. This was a person. By 8, 11 a.m., Glenn frantically called the police. They arrived quickly and noted the body of a woman stuffed into the duffel bag. Her stature was small and slender, but she didn't have any ID on her. That was when police noticed a trail. Burgundy spots began to trace the sidewalk. It was leading somewhere. In fact, it led all the way to the Gal Klein household. That was where 13-year-old Leo was in his room on the third floor. Police knocked on the door and surrounded the house, with Leo eventually opening the door to the three-story home. The police immediately led Leo away in handcuffs for questioning at a local precinct. It didn't take long for Howard to be notified. Usually calls on the weekend had to do with his small finance firm that he ran. But it was the strange message from his wife's phone that made him think otherwise. The words, your family is next, lit up on his screen. And a few hours later was followed by calls notifying him that his wife was dead and his son had been arrested. Howard raced home and was met with police and press. 
News regarding Orsolia's death had spread fast, and the house was being treated like a crime scene. It didn't take long to clear Leo's name. The boy had been sleeping and seemed to have slept through his mother's murder as well, which in hindsight isn't that surprising. The house was huge, and with the door being closed, it would take a really light sleeper to wake up. Neighbors like Nick Bias told The Post, everybody's on edge because a killer is running around who just butchered someone from yards from our homes, and they're still at large. Who could have possibly done this? Police stayed and scouted around the home. Whoever had done this may make their way back during the early days, scoping out the scene. In the meantime, tributes covered the home in the form of flowers, candles, and cards. People in the town paying their respects. On April 18th, the case was nationally known. And I'm talking people all over the country knew of this. A strange murder that landed a housewife in a duffel bag on the road. It was out of the ordinary, to say the least. No sign of a break-in. One child asleep in the home. How could this happen? Of course, by the time it came to me in the form of my dad texting me another case to look into for the show, I assumed, like most people, the husband did it. I mean, come on. The husband always has something to do with it. With the police explaining there was a person of interest in the case, I thought to myself, it was only a matter of time. This wasn't the first time Howard had to talk to the police about his wife disappearing. See, in May of 2020, Howard called the police just after 7 a.m. when his wife hadn't come home from taking a walk. Just after 12.30, midnight the night before. Now, it seemed that history was repeating itself with her missing for the same amount of time. It was around 7.30 a.m. in May that Howard called back, explaining that everything was fine and that his wife was home. He never gave an explanation about her whereabouts, and it seemed whatever Orsolia told him may not have been the complete truth either. By April 19th, Orsolia had been dead for almost a week, and a $3,500 reward for information had been posted. Police announced on Saturday, April 16th, 2022, at approximately 12.40 a.m., an unknown perpetrator stabbed 51-year-old Orsolia Gael multiple times, causing her death. The victim was found inside of a duffel bag along Metropolitan Avenue in Queens. They asked that if anyone had any information to contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-577-8477. It seemed like this case was going to go cold. Until it was reported that the homicide department wanted to speak with a handyman who had previously worked at the house. See, there wasn't a break-in, so the question is who had access to the home? Whoever did had to be able to enter without startling Leo or Orsolia. And with Orsolia getting home at 1230, this person couldn't just knock on the door at one in the morning. But this handyman, he did have a key. See, he had come in and out of the house working odd jobs for the past few years. The family trusted him. And by the time the jobs were done, it wasn't clear whether he had kept the key or put it in the hidden spot that the family kept their spare. The police had a blood trail, a handyman with access to the house, and as it turns out, cameras at the front of the house. And the electrician had carried out work to update. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, We finally have working cameras in a case. And what was caught on tape will shake you to your core. 
Arjuna Jack, another neighbor, explained that there were cameras throughout the property and that most houses in the U- and that most houses in the neighborhood had some sort of security system or surveillance. It was about 4:30 a.m. when a figure was seen on 75th Avenue wheeling a duffel bag down the street. Close by, a pair of boots, t-shirt, and bloody bandages were found. Police were able to obtain Orsolia's phone records and found that she was speaking to three men that night, one of them being David Bonola. David happened to be the previous handyman. Though conversations were not fully disclosed, it was enough to urge NYPD to search for the 44-year-old. On Wednesday, April 20th, at around 11.30 a.m., David confronted the police saying, I hear you're looking for me. In the same neighborhood, Orsoya had been slain. He was transported to the 112th precinct where he was questioned and ultimately arrested. David gave a full confession to the police. He claimed that he had done work on the house before and it allowed him the ability to slip in and out around 12.30 a.m. that night. And he was there waiting for Asolia in her basement. A true nightmare. The two got into a heated argument, possibly from the surprise of David being in her home. But what if it was something else? Sure, your handyman hiding in your home at night is enough to make you angry. But why had he been in her home? Was David stalking the family? Did he do this regularly? It turns out David had reason to be. And those messages in her phone were indication of that. See, David and Orsoya were having an on-again, off-again affair for about two years to be exact. David was a 44-year-old with thick, long, curly hair and olive-toned skin. He wasn't that tall, maybe just under 5'8". At the time, he was divorced and a father of two. He considered himself an interior designer. When he wasn't in clothes worn for doing odd jobs, he sported a leather jacket and denim jeans. Think your typical movie bad boy. He liked being in the city, enjoyed rock music, and would bike regularly. Outside of that, there isn't much that had been disclosed about him other than the fact that he and Rosalia began a relationship while working together on jobs done on the house. But it was clear as the affair began that David was falling more and more in love with Rosalia. But that love turned into obsession. They would break up and make up, and a couple weeks earlier in April, the couple had seen each other for what was supposed to be a final time. Orsolia hadn't wanted to continue the affair, which makes sense. Her husband leaves for the weekend and she hadn't tried to see David. She did not invite him over that night. He showed up. David explained that he considered her his girlfriend and thought she was cheating on him. Now, whether that means Orsolia's husband was the person that she was, quote, cheating with or another man was not clear. David explained that when Orsolia opened the door, she had asked him what he was doing there. He claimed that he wanted the truth. David had claimed that he discovered that he was HIV positive and believed that Orsolia had given him the virus. Orsolia stated that she was negative. She didn't have HIV and had no idea what he was talking about. She told him that their affair was over and had been over and that she needed him to leave her home. David also claims that Orsolia threatened to kill him, which one She'd have every right to defend herself from an intruder and two, seems like a cop-out for what David does next. 
David grabbed a kitchen knife and cut Orsolia from the neck, and the two began to fight. Except Orsolia was fighting for her life. David claims that Orsolia was trying to stab him, which, you know what, I'm not even going to entertain that bullshit. That night, David lunged at Orsolia with a kitchen knife, stabbing her more than 50 times in her torso, neck, and arms. She suffered from defensive wounds all over her arms, hands, and fingers. The medical examiner confirmed her death was from sharp stabbings to the neck. David then proceeded to go to Orsilia's laptop and take it with him. He knew the two had videos of them having sex, and he wanted to destroy all evidence. According to him, he was afraid the evidence would be used against him and somehow land him in jail, which is why he proceeded to text Howard, threatening to kill the entire family. See, David was in the country illegally and feared deportation. He ultimately took the laptop and threw it into the Hudson River. David then took Orsolia's bloody corpse and stuffed it into a large hockey duffel bag and left into the night. David explained that the reason he went to the precinct was to try and do right by Orsolia's family. In fact, he had called Howard the day before his arrest and denied any involvement in the murder itself, but wanted to apologize for Howard's loss and explained that Orsolia had been having an affair with him and a few other men that he had known of. David was adamant that he loved Orsolia, that he couldn't let her go, and that he never meant to hurt her. He teetered between distancing himself from the murder to confessing, and by April 21st, he was arrested and charged with second-degree murder, possession of a weapon, and criminal tampering. David Banola's court date was set for July 7th, and he faces up to 25 years in prison. The image of police escorting David in this white suit, and not white suit-like impressive, I'm talking like creepy white suit, you're about to go to jail type of thing. I mean, his eyes just look dark and empty, and it's not really clear what exactly his motive was. Genuinely defending himself, being an abusive, obsessed stalker, or just, quite frankly, a psychopath. Orsolia had a passion for making her kids happy. She loved her family dearly. Oftentimes when we find that there is some scandal involved, it takes away from the murder. Or for some reason, people use it as an outlet to feel less bad about what happened to the victim. We have seen time and time again, most of those infamous murders that people like to cover over and over and over. The victim was this innocent person who had an impeccable reputation, but their stories aren't more important than someone who may have had a checkered past. We have to realize something. Orsolia was a wife and a mother. She may have been entangled in something personal, but that was her business, and it certainly should not have cost her her life. Think back to a decision you made that if given the opportunity, you probably would have changed. Maybe a secret that you have that if it got out, you'd feel like your whole world is collapsing. A mistake that didn't feel like a mistake at the time, but ended up clearly being something that you wouldn't do again. I mean, think about your neighbors. If you heard something terrible happen to them, would you feel less bad if their secrets came out too? Would that terrible act feel justified? No, it wouldn't. So we have to give people grace. Orsolia isn't here to defend herself or explain herself or give her version. All we have are the facts. 
David Banola stabbed Orsolia over 50 times. He plunged a knife into her repeatedly to the point where he had wounds on his own hands. He went to a hospital and gave a fake name to get them treated, all while Orsolia's lifeless body lay stuffed in a duffel bag on the street. A funeral was held in May for Orsolia, and Rabbi Mark Kehrman of the Reformed Temple of Forest Hills supported the family in their final goodbye. Jamie is a recent high school graduate trying to decide what exactly is next, entering a new chapter of adulthood without his mother. And Leo, who hasn't even reached 14, celebrated his twice-postponed bar mitzvah. The family is moving on because for them, that is what globetrotter, extrovert, or Solia would have wanted. And Howard is just trying to raise his sons and honor his wife's memory, despite what came out in the media, because they built a family together and for over 25 years love each other. That has got to count for something. Orsoya's ashes will be shared with family in Hungary and with her family in Forest Hills. Orsoya will get to be in two places at once with people who love her the most. Thank you so much for joining me this week. We are here for my true crime fact of the day, for the dinner table, for dates, for just to know. <laughs> the term ghosting has two meanings. There's the dating definition when a person you were romantically tied to suddenly disappears and stops talking to you. But there's also a true crime ghosting, a form of identity theft in which someone steals the identity and sometimes even the role within society of a specific dead person who was not widely known to be deceased. Usually the person who steals the identity, the ghoster, is roughly the same age that the ghost would have still been alive. So... That any document citing the birth date of the ghost will not be incorrect if appropriated by the thief now claiming to be that person. The more you know, watch out for both. One is emotionally hurtful and the other is, well, financially, mentally and emotionally hurtful. As always, check out my sources on IvanaEstelle.com. I am also on Instagram and TikTok at IvanaEstelleTrueCrime. My personal Instagram is at IvanaEstelle. I will see you all next week. Safe journey. Keep walking in the light with love. Until next time, Ivana Estelle.